You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. I've never really gotten into gardening or planting myself. Um, I think in that area, I kind of take after my dad. And um, if you aren't sure exactly what that's like, I'll give you a little story that may help. Uh, One time when I was a kid, my dad was asked to water the plants for someone in our church and they were on vacation. So he was like, yeah, I can do that. And he went over there and he was watering all their plants. And after three or four days, he realized that some of the plants were starting to overflow. And he was like, what in the world's going on? And he was going to call them. And then upon further inspection, he realized that the plants were fake plants. And so that's the plants that he was watering. And um, so that's, that's kind of what I take after when it comes to gardening. In fact, just last week, I was trying to water these trees up here, and Shannon was like, Michael, no, those are fake. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But seriously, I've never really been into gardening or planting. Um, But one thing I do know about plants that I think all of us can kind of understand is that the roots of a plant are absolutely essential for the health of the plant. Um, the, The roots give stability. They give life and nourishment. The roots help produce growth. And so if the roots are bad then the plant isn't going to produce fruit. It's not going to be healthy. And the same is true for us as Christians. Our roots are so essential. And so that's why as we look in verse 7 where it says rooted and built up in him, that's why it's so important for us to understand what that means to be rooted in Christ. And and I have to tell you, it was very encouraging to look at this passage and to study it in detail this past week. So I'm excited to share it with you. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to get in your word and to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I just pray that you would apply it to our lives in a way that, um, Lord, I could never do. And that each of us would leave with something from your word that we can live out this week for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to give you a little background, um, as we move into chapter 2, this is really where Paul starts to tackle head-on that heresy that was starting to, to spread in the Colossian area. And Um, Here, he really is going to get into it in detail and say, look, you don't need to be deceived by this false teaching. And so we really move into the heart of it. And we read verses 1 through 5 earlier, or 1 through 7, but I want to summarize them again quickly for you. Paul starts by telling them how much he's been struggling for them and the other churches in the area. So he's saying, I'm I'm in great conflict for you. And that, that word actually has the idea of he's agonizing for them. And if you look at All throughout the letters of of Paul, you see he has this great care for the churches that he started. In fact, um, he's constantly anxious about them. He's worried about them. He's he's caring so much about them. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm in great conflict for you and for all um, the believers, all the churches that I've been struggling for. And then he gives three reasons for why he's been struggling. And he says, one, I'm struggling that your hearts would be comforted and encouraged. Two, that they'd be knit together in love. And three, that they would understand the riches of God's mystery, namely Christ. And and I love how verse 3 puts it. He says, he's speaking of Christ, and he says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I love that because in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are right there. You don't have to go anywhere else to look for it. It's right there in Christ. And then in verse 4, Paul makes a shift. And he starts to tackle what I was just talking about, that heresy head on. And he says this, and I say this, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So he's saying, I don't want anyone to delude you or to deceive you with these persuasive words and arguments. And can I just say that it's, it's not the foolish arguments that are going to entice you. 
It's, it's not the stupid arguments that are going to deceive you, right? I mean, we can, we can pick up on those right away. If someone comes over and they're like, hey, did you know that Jesus isn't God? You know, that, that, that should ring a bell in your head and say, wait a minute, my, my pastor's always saying Jesus is God, so that's false. But, but if someone comes in and they give you an argument that sounds good, then that can really sway us. To give you an example, um, there's an argument that it's kind of spreads around um, a lot in churches today that doctrine divides. And that doctrine just causes fights and arguments. It divides people. And we should just set aside doctrine and all come together for what really matters. And can I just say that sounds like a plausible argument. That, that seems to make sense. What if we could just set aside some doctrine so we could get together and we could reach more people? That would be awesome. But the moment we start setting aside truth that God has revealed in his word, we get dangerously close to setting aside the very truth that saves our souls from hell. And so it's so important that we do not set aside truth, that we instead say, what if instead of setting aside truth, what if we all embrace truth? What if we all got in the word and, and, and looked at what it clearly says instead of hanging on to traditions? And, and listen, we all have traditions that we hang on to. And so let's get to the word of God and let it constantly reform the way we think and the way we live. And so what Paul is saying, he's like, he's like, look, I don't want these arguments that are floating around to deceive you, to delude you, to entice you. I don't want you to be swayed by those things. And then in verse 5, he wraps it all up by, by saying that he's thankful for them and the steadfastness. He's rejoicing for their steadfast belief in Christ. And then we come to our text for this morning, and I'm going to read it again for you. In verse 6, he says this, As ye have therefore received... Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is Paul's main argument for writing the book. He had just laid a solid foundation of doctrine and who Jesus was and how amazing Jesus was. And now he's saying, look, this Jesus that you received is the same Jesus that you need to keep walking in union with. And, and this is the, the very heart of the letter. And if you remember, I'm just going to review for you. He just finished in chapter 1 laying out all these awesome things about Jesus. And he said this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the first in rank over all creation, the creator and sustainer of all things, the supreme head and authority of the church, the mystery of God, and the repository of all wisdom and knowledge. He said, that's Jesus. Okay, so these, these arguments of over here that are saying Jesus isn't fully that and, and Jesus is created and Jesus is just this eminent thing that floated around while he was here, that's false. This is Jesus. And he says, as you receive this Jesus that I just talked about for the, all these verses before this. I'm sure he didn't say verses. That's kind of something we say. But all these different sentences before this where I was laying out for you who Jesus is. That's the Jesus that you receive. That's the Jesus that you keep walking in. That's what Paul is saying here. And this is really the heart of the letter. Keep living your life in union with Christ. Don't walk away. Your roots are in him. You're being built up in him. You're being established in the faith by him. So don't walk away. Don't get deceived. Jesus is all you need. And I love this because it really summarizes the Christian life for us. And if you're wondering, well, what is the Christian life, right? What do we do in the Christian life? It's right here. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What's the Christian life? Receive Jesus and walk in him. 
That's the Christian life, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving. That's the Christian life. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this today because there's, there's so much we could say. And one of the things that is hard for me as a preacher is, is cutting things down, right? And you're like, yeah, you need to work on that even more, right? Um, but for now, we're just going to look at three characteristics of the Christian life that we can see in this text. And the first thing I want you to notice is that the Christian life is a personal relationship. The Christian life is a personal relationship. In verse 6, he says, As ye have therefore received... Christ Jesus the Lord. Here Paul calls the Colossians back to when they first received Christ. He reminds them of when they put their faith in him as the completely sufficient Savior. He's reminding them. He's saying just as he received this Jesus. And what I want you to notice here is that Paul doesn't say, as he have therefore received all the teaching about Christ Jesus. Right? He doesn't say, as ye have therefore received um, a, an in- invitation to membership in a church. As ye have therefore received doctrine. As ye have there- No, he says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. And so when you became a Christian, you didn't receive a set of beliefs about Jesus. You received Jesus himself. And if you were here last week, when Tyler was preaching, he commented on verse um, 28 where he says, whom we preach, right? It's not what we preach. It's not, hey, here's a a, a person that that we want to tell you all about. It's not saying, here's a box to check. Here's a set of beliefs. Here's a prayer to pray. That's not what we're offering to people. We're saying, here's a person who you can have a personal relationship with. And you've got to grasp this today because if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, then you're not a Christian. Christianity is a personal relationship relationship and that's what Paul is saying here he's saying as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord and so I want you to get this today because if we get caught up in what we know about Jesus then we don't understand Christianity it's first and foremost about knowing Jesus um to give you an illustration if I were to sit down with you and I were to lay out some facts about a famous a basketball player like Steph Curry. And I was like, yeah, he's an awesome three-pointer, got one of the purest jump shots um, that we've ever seen in basketball. And, and I laid out all these facts about him. It would sound like I knew a lot about Steph Curry. But if you said, well, give him a call really quick. I want to ask him a question. I'd be like, well, you know, I don't really know him, right? Like there's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. I heard a story one time by Dave Ramsey. He's a Christian um, finance guy who gives um, um, instructions and stuff on finances and he went into a store one time to buy an appliance and he went up to the counter and um, he was talking to the guy and and, and he the guy was trying to convince him to to make payments on this appliance and um, he's just like yeah I'm not really a big fan of that Dave Ramsey's big on, on saving and then paying it right then and the guy said well Dave Ramsey says it's okay and uh, he was talking to Dave Ramsey and didn't realize it. And so he said, really? Dave Ramsey says it's okay. And he said it took everything in him to not just snap. But what he did instead is he just pulled out his license and he put it on the counter. Um, and that guy at the store, he knew about Dave Ramsey. He knew Dave Ramsey was a financial guy. He knew that if he dropped Dave Ramsey's name, it'd be beneficial for him. But he didn't actually know Dave Ramsey. And when Dave Ramsey walked in, he didn't recognize him. And I wonder how many people today know where Jesus was born. They, they know where Jesus was raised. They, they know what Jesus was all about. They know that he came to die for the sins of the whole world. They know all these facts about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. 
And I just wonder if Jesus were to walk in today, would you recognize him? Would you know him? So first and foremost, the Christian life is a personal relationship. It's not a box to check. It's not a deck doctrinal test to fill out. It's not facts. First and foremost, it's a personal relationship. And what Paul is saying here is, as ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord. Not teaching us about Jesus, but Christ himself. And so we've got to get that today. But not only is it a personal relationship, next, the Christian life is a dependent walk. The Christian life is a dependent walk. He says this, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. What does it mean to walk in him? It's, it seems like a strange wording, but what he's saying is walk in union with him. To walk in a way that reflects his character and the things that you do and say. To be in, in union, in step with him as you walk. Allow him to, to live through you. Like, like Tyler was saying last week. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what, Paul, what, is, what is Paul trying to say here? I love this. He's saying, so the same way that you receive Christ Jesus the Lord is the same way you keep walking in him. Just as you received him, now walk in him. So let's, let's ask the question, well, how did they receive him? How do we receive Jesus? How do we enter that personal relationship? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So how do you receive Jesus? How, how do you believe on him? How do you enter that personal relationship? By grace through faith. By grace through faith. Not something you do. You didn't earn a relationship with Jesus. Okay? Nobody here was good enough to, to have a relationship with Jesus. It was all of grace. And when God, in His grace, enabled us to see our need, and we realized we were sinners, we heard the gospel, and the power of the gospel awakened us to our need, we realized we are sinners, we realized we are separated from Christ, we realized that we were in big trouble. And we saw the only way out was to cling to Christ, to receive Christ, to accept Christ as our Savior, to rest on Him with our full weight. In that moment, that was by grace through faith. Nothing that we did. So, how does that apply to this? I love this because when we received Christ for salvation, it was all of grace. We were completely desperate. We were completely needy. We didn't add anything to the table. It was all of grace. So how do we keep walking in him? All of grace. <laughs> Through faith. So, so listen, every day it's a matter of waking up again. And just like we rested in him for salvation, we rest in him for sanctification. We rest in him for our daily growth. We rest in him for our daily life. And, and this is so important. I remember one time I was talking to Larry Cruz, who's gone right now. He's, he's gone for the winter. He'll be back this spring. But he is, we were just talking in passing. And he made a statement that really stuck with me. He said, you know, it's funny. He said, it's funny that we as Christians put our faith in Jesus for our eternal security and salvation. So we trust Jesus to save us for all eternity from hell. The, the biggest decision you can ever make in your entire life. But we don't trust Jesus for the little things in life. And I said, man, isn't that the case? Right? Like, Jesus, I believe that you can save me. I believe that you can take me to heaven. I believe that you can take all my sins away. I believe that you can make me righteous. But how in the world am I going to pay this bill? Right? Isn't that how it is? We, we trust him to save us for all eternity, but we don't trust him with our day-to-day -day life. 
And what Paul is saying is, look, the same way that you received him, a desperate, needy sinner, adding nothing to the table, the same way that you received him is the same way that you keep living in him. Desperate, needy, sinner. And look, Christianity, you've got to get this. Christianity is not reading the commands in the Bible and then going out and doing them. Now some of you are like, well, hold on a minute, preacher. We got, we're going to throw you out. What did you say? Christianity is not reading the commands in the Bible and going out and doing them. Christianity is reading the commands in the Bible, bringing them to Jesus and asking him for his strength to allow us to live out those commands. It's not self-dependence. It's not our own effort. It's not our own work. It's desperate, needy sinners needing Jesus to live through us. You've got to get this today. Look, when I read a text like, love your wife like Christ loved the church, I can't do that. Are you kidding me? I can't love Shannon like Christ loved the church. And if she was in here, she'd say, amen, right? I, that's impossible. So, so what do I do? Do I read that and then exhaust myself working and trying to do that? If I were to do that, I would end up empty, hollow, and discouraged every single time. I can't do that. I can't love her like Christ loved the church. It's impossible. But I have the power to be able to do that because Christ is in me. And so the Christian life is not reading, love your wife like Christ loved the church, and then exhausting yourself and finding out that you can't. The Christian life is reading that and immediately, immediately bringing that command to the throne room of God, and saying, God, I can't do this. God, I'm desperate for your strength today to love Shannon like Christ loved the church. Every single moment of every single day, walking in Christ as a desperate, needy sinner. And can I tell you what a weight that will lift off of your shoulders? Look, a lot of Christianity today is just moralism. It's just do this, don't do this. And if you, if you don't do this, and you do do this, then you're in big trouble with the big man upstairs. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you have nothing to bring to the table, and so God graciously saved you from your sin, and now he enables you to live as a, as a bright and shining light for the world around us. He enables you. We don't do it ourselves. And if you've struggled in the past because you haven't been able to live for Christ or, or you found yourself constantly falling and constantly stumbling and constantly looking at the commands and, and, and feeling empty and discouraged, remember what John said. He said the commands of our Lord are not grievous. They're not grievous. Why? Because he enables us to do them. And so every day I go to God and I say, God, I need your help to live for you today. God, I need your strength to be a witness today. God, I need your strength to be able to be the right kind of husband to Shannon. I can't do it by myself. So what Paul is saying is just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's the same way that you keep living your life in him. It's a dependent walk. It's a dependent walk. So we saw first it's a personal relationship. It's a dependent walk. And lastly... The Christian life is an ongoing process. This is important to understand because in verse 6 when he said walk in Christ, we see that it's a walk, right? It's, it's a journey. It's a, it's a, you're, you're walking somewhere. You're going somewhere. But then in verse 7, he elaborates on what that means to actually walk in Christ. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So really, um, when you look at these in the Greek, the way they're structured is these are actually describing what it means to walk or what it looks like to walk. There's really only one command here, and that's to walk in Christ. 
And, and the rest of it kind of describes what that looks like and what's happening. And, and so first I want to look at what it means to be rooted in Christ. Now, I've got to confess something to you. Um, I think this is kind of funny, but um, when I read this text a couple, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I wrote my sermon title and my outline, Rooted in Christ. And man, I was excited because I was just going just gonna to get up here and be like, you need to root your marriage in Christ, and you need to root your kids in Christ, and you need to root your life in Christ. And, and when I studied this, I found out that the Greek word root is actually perfect passive. Now some of you are like, oh, seriously, why do you got to bring that? Just understand something, okay? Perfect passive means it's something that's being done to us. It's not something that we do. In fact, it was something that was done in the past by someone else that has continuing results to today. So that threw off my whole sermon because we don't do the rooting. God does the rooting. And so a good way to understand this is walk in Christ having been firmly planted in him. So because you're planted in Jesus, keep walking in him. That, I mean, that threw my whole, I had, to, I had to throw my notes in the trash and just completely start over, right? And, and, and that's because we have a tendency, again, in our own self to look at a text and say, we got to do this. But man, often I look at texts and I think that, but then when I study it, I realize, no, God is actually the one doing this. God and his grace is the one doing this. And so what does it mean to be rooted? It has the idea of being firmly planted in Christ. Firmly planted in Christ. And it's not something you do. It's something that's been done to you. Let me try to help you understand this. When God enabled you to put your faith in Christ, God wonderfully and mysteriously caused your soul to be deeply and firmly planted into the person of Christ. He plants you into Jesus. As one preacher said it, he anchors our souls into the soil of the living Christ. That happened when you put your faith in Christ. It's not something that you do. It's something that he did. So we can have the assurance today, if you're a Christian, that you will continue. You will continue to walk in him. You will continue to live for him. You'll have stumble, stumbles from time to time, but you will persevere because you've been planted into Jesus. What an encouragement. Man, my whole sermon was ruined, but I was encouraged because I don't have to root my life in Christ. God already rooted my life in Christ, and now I have the nourishment and the, the, the tools available to grow and to see fruit produced in my life. So he says rooted, and then he says built up in him. What does that mean? Well, here he actually does something that preachers are, are told to never do. Okay, one thing I'm supposed to not do is I'm never supposed to switch metaphors when I'm trying to explain something because it just confuses people. But Paul's just like, I don't care. I'm going to switch metaphors because you need to get this. And he goes from a, a organic plant type metaphor to a construction type metaphor. And he says, built up in him. Now here, again, this is passive. Okay, so, so this is something that's done to us. Not something that we don't build ourselves up. God builds us up. But it's not perfect passive it's actually present passive so it's taking place right now it's a continual process where God is building us up so right now as you hear God's word preached he's doing something within you and building you up a few weeks ago I told the story on Sunday night about when I first went to Dundee to to be a pastor there the house that was there I thought was just going to be like a quick remodel I was going to throw some paint on the wall and, and it would be great. And uh, I found out that was not the case. It was really, really bad. In fact, I lived in a hotel for 40 days because the insurance company had to come in and completely rip out the bathrooms. Like, it was horrible. And what I thought was just a quick um, little remodel was a complete transformation. 
And I think what a lot of people think when they come to Christ is that Jesus just wants to put some fresh paint on the walls and, and fix a few things here and there. Like, my life's pretty good, but, but adding Jesus would make it just a little bit better. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is a complete demolition and remodel, a complete transformation, and it's a complete process that's ongoing. So a good way to look at your life is to realize that you're a construction project by God himself, and he's working on you a little bit each day. And, and that's discouraging um, for us at times, but it's also encouraging because we know it's happening. It's, it's happening. It might be slow, but it's happening. And every time you get in the Word and read God's Word, He's building you up. Every time you decide to, to, to shut that TV off a little earlier and go spend some time in prayer, He's building you up. Every time that alarm goes off on Sunday and you say, I don't want to go to church, um, but I'm going to go to church, and you go, God is building you up. It's an awesome encouragement for us to realize it's a continual process that he's building us up. And then he says, established in the faith as you have been taught. This has the idea of being firmly secured and established in something. And then lastly, at the end of the verse, he says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, as Christians, we ought to be overflowing with thanksgiving because what God is doing in our life. And that word, the Greek word for abounding, is the same word used when it talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and, and there's extra baskets and they're overflowing. So, so picture a basket. Parents, picture the trash when you told your kids to take the trash out and they didn't. Okay, so it's overflowing. That's how we should overflow with Thanksgiving as Christians. Man, when the good times come, we should recognize God is good. God is gracious. God is loving. And when the bad times come, we should recognize God's in control. And he has a plan, and he's working through this. And he's going to work it out for my good somehow. Man, we ought to be overflowing, abounding with thanksgiving. When people re recognize us as Christians, the one thing that they should realize is that we're thankful. We're not critical. We're not complaining. We're not negative. We're thankful, and we're excited, and we're positive. Because the very worst day on this earth doesn't really matter in the end because we've got heaven to look forward to. So let's be thankful. Let's overflow with thankfulness because of what God has done in our lives. And so as we close today, I want to I want to challenge you. Look, just as and again, as I wrote these points out and then at the very end of my sermon, I realized the connection. It's kind of cool. If a plant is going to grow or survive, it's got to be connected to the roots, right? That's point one. If we're going to grow, we first have to have that vital connection with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him. If a, a plant is going to grow, it's got to be completely dependent on the roots for life and nourishment. If we're going to grow as Christians, we've got to completely depend on Jesus to live through us and to grow us. And lastly, most plants don't grow overnight. Right? It's a gradual process. And the same is true for us as Christians. It's an ongoing process. And so we should take encouragement in that it's not going to be overnight. And so my, my challenge for you is really as we look at all those points is do you have that personal relationship with Jesus? Have you, have you accepted a person? Have you received a person? Or did you re just receive teachings about a person? Do you actually know Jesus? That's so important. Next, are you walking daily depending on him to live through you? Or are you trying to do it in your own strength? Look, if you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to fail. You're going to be hollow. You're going to be miserable. But if you'll walk dependent on him, it's going to be so much more encouraging. And lastly, if you're discouraged because you're not seeing the results you want to see, remember, the Christian life is an ongoing process. So my challenge for you is to start living a life that is rooted in Christ. If you're not a Christian today, receive him. 
and be firmly rooted in him. If you are a Christian today, remember, he rooted you in Christ when you became a Christian. And so start living a life that's in light of that fact. He has rooted us in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let's pray.